Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, everyone. It's Michelle, and I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. Brittany is a doctor of physical therapy and the owner of She Blooms Physical Therapy. She's been in the PT world for over 10 years and has found a passion in treating women, specifically pregnant and postpartum women and the female athlete. She helps them overcome common but not normal pelvic health symptoms. She believes that care has to start with looking at you as a whole person, your overall health, and all that has shaped you. Meeting you where you're at and incorporating it all to help you achieve your goals. In her free time, she enjoys exploring local parks and new restaurants with her husband and two kids. She also loves to stay active, aside from chasing her two kiddos and try all different kinds of exercise classes and activities. Welcome. Hey, Brittany, how's it going? Hi, Michelle. I'm doing good. How are you? I am awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you. So Brittany and I met at a women's retreat, I think a couple of months ago. Um, so we roomed together. We got an Airbnb to like go to this retreat and we got to talking a lot about pelvic floor health. And I said, would you, you'd be willing to come on the podcast? Cause I'm so excited to talk more about this. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming on. Of course. I'm always happy to talk about pelvic floors. There's almost <laughs> no TMI in my life. So yeah. Yeah. I was pretty open about, cause I'm pregnant with my second, just some of the incontinence issues. <laughs> like, and you were, you were very nice to humor me and talk about that. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited to get into this. So could you, could we start by, could you tell us what exactly is the pelvic floor? Yes. So the pelvic floor is the, as I like to call it, like the bottom part of the core. Uh, your core is made up of, kind of four main parts, your pelvic floor, the bottom, the diaphragm on the top, your abdominals on the front, and your deep back muscles on the back. So when oftentimes when you think of the core, everyone always thinks, oh, just abs, but your pelvic floor is a huge part of that. And that's the big, the bottom part of it. And it and everybody has one. And so the fact that nobody wants to talk about it is kind of comical because like we all have one, even men. So it's comprised of a bunch of muscles and nerves and it's connected from like the pubic bone in the front and it goes back to the sacrum and to the sides. So the sacrum, uh, your pelvic bone is like the back of the sac of your pelvis. Um, and it creates this nice bowl on the bottom of the core and it works together with all the other parts of the core muscles in like 
everything we do all throughout the day. Um, the pelvic floor specifically has three main, three layers of muscles. A lot of times, most people think about mostly just the first layer and the third layer. Um, the third layer is the, the levator ani group, which is a common one that people maybe have heard of if they've heard of pelvic floor, like anything muscle specific, uh, is thinks of like more of that bowl shape of the bottom of the core. And then the, especially the first layer has more of the muscles, the first and the second, but the first, especially that helps to like really close off. So to help like to stop if you have to pee or to let go and same thing for pooping. So that's kind of a really brief overview of the pelvic floor core. Okay. So the third layer was closest to the outside of your body? No, the first oh. layer is. Oh, okay. Got it. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. And I hear about this a lot with women who have had children. I know you can have pelvic floor issues, whether or not mm-hmm. you've had kids, but um, I'm curious how it's impacted by pregnancy because that's a lot of when you hear about it. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's often like the hush hush through the mommy groups of like, oh yeah, like I pee when I do this and it's fine. It happens to everyone. It's Mm -hmm. it's normal type of thing. Um, common does not mean normal. Just kind of, that's a, that's normally a pretty big, like descriptor, like tagline for a lot of pelvic floor PTs. And it's just because it's the truth. Common does not mean normal. Um, but so with pregnancy, your pelvic floor Um, is impacted just like all your other muscles and ligaments in your body. So the relaxin that is increasing throughout your pregnancy, that helps to make you a little more bendy, helps you to grow and fit a baby, also impacts your pelvic floor muscles. So the muscles get a little bit more stretched to them. The ligaments get a little bit more stretched to them to make room for that growing baby. But they're still there working all throughout the pregnancy with like I said, it, it works in conjunction with the other parts of the core. So your abdominals, your back muscles, and your diaphragm specifically. Um, and so with every breath you're taking, the diaphragm's coming up and down, the pelvic floor comes up and down. And so all throughout the day, it's working. The pelvic floor, kind of going back a little bit to uh, kind of a little bit of anatomy lesson overview of it, it has both fast fibers and slow fibers. And so that means it works all throughout the day with every breath, those nice slow fibers, it's there working all the time. And then when you need it to work, like when you have to go pee really badly or you sneeze or you jump, it's the quick fibers contract to like cut off any urine from coming out or anything like that to keep everything in place. And so they're still there doing what they need to do all throughout pregnancy. They just are, have a little more give to them and they're stretching more and working harder. So when you say that it's common, not normal to have urinary incontinence. So like peeing when you're doing things that mm-hmm. counts during pregnancy because even like yes. the little apps that say you're, you know, I'm 27 weeks right now and it'll say, you should expect to be peeing yourself. Like, <laughs> like what's going on with the baby's anatomy and with your body? <laughs> Yeah. So exactly. It even counts for that. And so you come in, or I guess you might know during pregnancy, like your blood volume increases 
like tenfold. And Mm -hmm. you, so that means you have like a whole lot more fluids going through your body. And that includes like urine output. So yes, your bladder is filling more and you might be having to pee more often because also your bladder is filling more. You have less room for your bladder because the baby's expanding down into that. So you might have to pee more often, but that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that it should come with leaking. You should still be able to have the muscles work appropriately to respond to the load that they're experiencing. They are getting worked more and they are working at a longer range. So if you think about like your bicep muscle, if your arm is all the way straight, you can work it all the way up and back down your bicep. And so, but if you're holding a weight all the way out straight, a lot of times it's harder to pull it all the way up if it's a really heavy weight than if it was just halfway and pulling it up. So your muscles have been stretched a little bit more with pregnancy. And so it's a little bit harder for them to work, but that doesn't mean they can't work. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. So it's not necessarily a symptom of pregnancy. It's just if you have some muscle weakness, pregnancy might exacerbate that. that Yeah, definitely. And, And it just goes to show that it's not a time that we should necessarily just not worry about anything. Um, this is something that I think you kind of want to talk about later, but like when to go to a pelvic PT, like you shouldn't necessarily, and or you should, you shouldn't wait until you have a problem. In my personal opinion, pregnancy and even pre-pregnancy is a great time to go to a pelvic PT and get a baseline and just, even if it's not a full evaluation, if you're not having any issues pre-pregnancy or during your pregnancy to do a consult and get a feel of what your muscles are doing, where they're kind of hanging out. And to, so you're making sure you can know how to use them appropriately. And like I kind of going back to the bicep example, they're getting a little more stretched and so they might be working harder. And so they might be kind of trying to hold it up into that really like bicep curl really, really tight as much as they can, because they're trying to give you as much support as possible. And that holding as tight as you can doesn't necessarily mean it's strong and it doesn't mean it's going to work that great because it doesn't have anywhere else to go either, even though, and the body's trying to stretch it out. So going to a PT can be great to make, see how your body's working while you're pregnant or pre-pregnancy so that when you're getting through these, all these big changes, all these different hormone shifts in your body that you can work with your body and what it's going through at that time to prevent leaks now and hopefully even more so in the future. Yeah. I like that. Cause it's, um, like you said, it's not a time to do nothing. <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. think we were like convinced that, yeah, we should still exercise when we're pregnant. But for some reason, this pelvic floor thing seems like, <laughs> oh, that's something you fix after right. the baby comes. But <laughs> yeah. um, so I like like that view on it. But yeah, going to say that even in this day and age, it is becoming more accepted that exercise is good to do during pregnancy, but it's still a very firm held belief of like, oh no, no, you're the pregnant person. Please sit down. Don't, don't, don't lift a finger. Don't do anything type of thing. Like that is a very strong and and the patriarchal society type of thing of like, just sit down and relax. You're pregnant. You don't need to do anything. You shouldn't do anything type of thing. And to an extent, like, yeah, you need to take some things easy and not push yourself to an extreme, but 
pregnancy, 10 months of it, nine months of it is a long time and your body's going through a ton and birth is no joke. And we train for things that are hard and birth is hard. And so we should, we should train for it really like, and it doesn't need to be like five CrossFit workouts a week, 60 minutes a week, 60 minutes a day, hit workouts all the time. But there are things you can do to prep your body for it, to make it better and to go as smoothly as it can with all the variables that it is, is included in birth. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause that's something like one of my apps said, like lift things with your, with your legs and be safe with lifting unless it's over eight pounds, then never lift it. And I'm like, Whoa, eight pounds? <laughs> I have like a 31 pound kid. <laughs> Yeah. So that's oh. not going to happen. But then also it, on the flip side, I did my first CrossFit workout last night. Um, just a, it was like a group event, but one of the trainers was kind of, I, I did a plank and I kind of had that bulge, you know, that looks like mm-hmm. a football in your abdomen. And from what I know, which is limited is that could lead to a, a diastasis, like an abdominal separation. If you're doing some of that core stuff that your, your core really can't do when you're this pregnant and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong with Mm -hmm. this, but the trainer was kind of like, Oh no, I think that's normal. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't think so. Like, why do I need to be doing planks when I'm six months pregnant? (laughs) Uh, Like there's probably something else I could do. Right. Right. So, so yeah, that's normal. Definitely. Because at six months pregnant, your abdominal muscles, so the a diastasis is a separation of the abdominal muscles, the rectus abdominal muscles, particularly the, the front-facing six-pack ab muscles that are on the very front of the belly. That is completely, absolutely normal in pregnancy is those bu- muscles need to pull apart while you're pregnant because it's making the room for a baby. But you are, in my opinion, absolutely right that doing some of those exercises that really push into that bulge probably aren't that appropriate for this stage and for your pregnancy. And especially if you've not been doing those movements before there, you can, if you can do planks during your pregnancy and it's not maybe giving you that doming or giving you any other symptoms, especially early on, then it's probably a perfectly fine thing to do. But is it like kind of what you were thinking in your head especially at six months and you've never done them before right now, anyways, in this pregnancy, is it worth it to push into your body this way when you can do other things that give you a good workout, get your heart rate up and work your muscles in a different way and feel good versus this other thing. So that, yeah, definitely. I would say that trainer probably needs a little more education on working with a pregnant athlete, but, um, I think it's nice that they weren't just like, like uh, very scare tactic with you. Like, Oh my God, don't do that. Like, that's awful because that's also a really bad way to go about it. Um, I'm glad they had confidence in you, but, but in my, I would probably be like, yeah, we should probably modify this a little bit so that it's not showing this. Um, there's the pendulum is swinging because it was gone for a while. Like, no, you don't do anything while you're pregnant. And then it was like, yeah, you can do anything while you're pregnant. Just like you need to train for birth. And now we're kind of like finally getting back to that middle ground of, you, you should do things while you're pregnant. This might be, this might be harmful, but we don't really know. And we're, we're testing the waters and seeing what is good and what might not be. And it's different for everyone. Um, so it's, it's hard to live in the middle ground because extremes are just easy to go with like, no, you shouldn't. Yes, you should. Uh, which is 
a lot of what pregnancy recommendations are. Like you should never do sit-ups. You should never do planks. It's like, well, you could do planks and they might be okay for another person at six months, but they might not be okay for you at six months. Yeah, that's really helpful because maybe she is seeing people who have been doing CrossFit their whole pregnancy and they're fine to still do them at six months. And honestly, like I've been working out a bit, but not as much with this pregnancy and I haven't been doing a ton of core work. So uh, that'll be something I'm probably going to find a trainer for after I give birth. But (laughs) yeah, just just seeing that I'm like, no, I don't want to risk damaging anything to to work my core a little bit. I don't know. Right. Right. Oh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess, so in general, what type of fitness fitness impacts the pelvic floor specifically? I kind of love that you put this question because my simple answer is all exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because like what I said before is with every movement you're doing, the pelvic floor is responding. So you lift your arm up in the air and without you even having to think about it, your pelvic floor was doing something before you lifted your arm. It is a really big stabilizing muscle. So it turns on right away to give you that core stability with the abdominals. So all of it impacts the pelvic floor. It just, some of it might impact it more, especially while you're pregnant than others. So more high intensity exercises and things that include jumping or like running, things like that, that those impact exercises will have more impact on your pelvic floor. Uh, Every like force through your foot when you land goes up the chain and then it goes through the pelvic floor. So something that is a higher impact is going to just make your pelvic floor work harder. And so it kind of goes along those lines of deciding what is worth it for you in your pregnancy at that time and what feels good and working potentially with a fitness professional who knows a little bit more about this and or a pelvic floor physical therapist during that time to figure out like how it's impacting you during your pregnancy. So there's some people who will run up until the day they give birth and their bodies do fine with it and they can recover and go back to it and they don't have any issues or they might have some, but they're able to get kind of over it and heal from it and they're okay. There's a little bit of, is it worth it type of thing with that also, but some people do perfectly fine. So it's, I'm trying, I'm trying to really be good about it's there's no all or nothing but it's a case-by-case basis and is it worth it for you so personally? just what you're saying with the impact exercises like running it seems like your your pelvic floor is already stressed because of this weight of the baby mm-hmm. but if you're jumping up and down it's kind of putting more force on it so it could yep. weaken it is that the concern not necessarily weaken it it okay. would just make it work harder and depending on what other stressors are going on at that time, it might not be as good at working harder at that time. And you might be more likely to leak or make the muscles more tired. And maybe you don't necessarily leak during your pregnancy, but then they're just more stressed all throughout it. And then postpartum, it might make it a little bit harder for them to bounce back and figure out what they need to do. And I don't want to just like paint running as a bad picture. I mean, it's anything with more impact. So like, like jumping with like the CrossFit type movements, like box jumps and jump rope and things like that. There's 
um, like coming down from any type of like pull up or things and like hands overhead is like a whole nother story of the a whole nother part of working with females, athletes specifically in pregnant people, um, women who are pregnant. Uh, so it just adds another aspect to it. Cause I talked about the pelvic floor with the diaphragm and having your arms up moves your rib cage and it affects how your diaphragm's moving and affects the pelvic floor. So it's just a whole nother complex to it, but there's not a lot of exercises in general that do a ton of overhead work. So it's not as big of a deal. It's more so seen like the CrossFit type athlete. Okay. Like so if you're doing like some that. like assisted pull-ups, you're generally not doing it straight for a half hour. Like you might do right. with running or, okay. Right. Um, well, and I wanted to ask about the exercises cause we hear a ton about Kegels, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much, I, I don't know. I think that's what most people talk about when they think about pelvic floor exercise. That is what most people think of when they think of pelvic floor therapies, Kegels. And especially now with a lot more of the like electronic things coming out with the things you can do at home with working your um, muscles. But I'm a big proponent for Kegels are not the answer for everyone. And Kegels might be like a really bad answer for some people. So like I was talking about before with your muscles, depending on if they're stretched out, if they're truly just stretched out and weak, then Kegel strengthening, which a Kegel is contracting those muscles, pulling them closer together. If you think about stopping the flow of urine, that's a Kegel. That would be a really good solution, most likely for that person. But if a person, if the muscles are stretched, but then their bodies are working really hard to try and make them stronger and make them more supportive. So they're trying to hold them really, really tight. If you think about that bicep curl and you've got your fist at your shoulder, trying to hold it really tight, they are not strong in that position. And so if you try and do a Kegel, try and contract them and tighten them closer together, that's actually not really helpful for that person at all. So they actually need to work on letting those muscles relax a little bit, letting them go lengthen and get into a better position. And then they can work on strengthening them. So Kegels can be one solution, but then another solution would be working with somebody if you are going towards the more kind of tight and non-relaxing position, uh, working with somebody to figure out if that's you and how to relax them and how to work out and not cause them to like re get, um, to re kind of pull back up. Okay. And then I've also heard some about like putting your body in the squat position Mm -hmm. during pregnancy. Is that is that kind of in the relaxing the pelvic floor or strengthening or any of that? Um, so it's more so into the relaxing, but I, the goal necessarily isn't relaxing. It's more, it's more so to like lengthen and to like stretch the muscles in a different way um, and to allow things, I guess re- relax is a good way to also think of it, but yeah, get things in a better position because, um, so often in our world, we're sitting all day long and staying in one position. And that's not the way we were developed to 
kind of our bodies to work and getting down into a full squat position is a very natural position for our bodies, but it's not something that's natural for us, for many people anymore, because we're sitting all day long. And so it's really hard to get all the way down. But when you go all the way down, it does, it pulls your pelvis just a little bit differently and it allows those pelvic muscles to be kind of pulled on, stretched a little bit differently to help them work better. Okay. But again, it's not, if you do not squat full, like work that position, just trying to do that all the time while you're pregnant might not be a very good solution for you. So it's something that can be good to work on, but I'm not, it's not like, I'm not saying like a blanket statement of like, we should all do deep squats type of thing. I think it's a really good thing to do and to work towards, but if you've never done deep squats and hung out in a deep squat position before ever, and now all of a sudden you're 20 weeks, 30 weeks pregnant, like don't just do it for like five minutes a day, every single day, because that would probably not feel very good. <laughs> Interesting. Cause this is another thing that I did a ton in my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. My husband put up like a, I think it's TRX, like those mm-hmm. little handle things. He put one up in our bedroom and because I had a home birth and I thought that I was going to squat my baby out. (laughs) And that was, I kind of did, but, um, not standing. So it's, um, yeah, that was something I was doing a lot because I like heard these good things about putting the, like potentially the baby's positioning and Mm -hmm. like some of the pelvic floor stuff. But now this pregnancy, Again, I haven't been doing this as much. And I have this idea that like, oh, I just started my third trimester. I should start doing all the things again. Um, so and I, I mean, it's proceed something with caution. Definitely. And just like see how you feel. You've done it before. So you know how it felt, how it felt then. And then you have been doing some things throughout this pregnancy. So it's just seeing what how it feels to your body. If you go down into that position, hold it for five, 10 seconds, come back up and it's okay. And you try it again, like a couple more times and you do fine, then continue to do it for a couple more days and make sure that you continue to feel feel fine. But if you go down into that position and you're getting sharp pains, pangs, things like that, then it's not a position that your body's ready for at that moment. And it might just be that day. you could be perfectly fine to try it again the next day. And it doesn't feel like that. Uh, So it's just really, but I mean, like you said, preparing for birth the first time, yes, a deep squat is a very natural position, especially for birth in very traditional cultures too. Like the the wives tales of, I I working in the field, squat down, my baby came out and I went back to working type (laughs) of thing. Like it is like, it is, it is very natural. Um, But it's just a different, style and it's good for some and not good for others and depending on how long your labor is and stuff maybe the squatting position is a great way to do it but yeah you can't be on your feet anymore to do because you're so tired (laughs) well yeah that was I Connor's head came out on my toilet on my squatty potty (laughs) so it was kind of a squat birth (laughs) but not exactly the beautiful image I pictured No, but I mean, I would say like, I mean, I've heard from, I, 
relatively common that the toilet is like a really good place for people to have babies because they are supported, but they're in that squat position. So like it is a really good spot. And so, yeah, it's not pushing. It doesn't sound the most glamorous, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's super helpful. I mean, just like why, when you have a squatty potty to go poop, like you think about it, like the baby needs to come out and they're really close to the anus. Like it's like a very similar primal um, I don't want to say thing, but that's the only word finding that's coming right now. But it's a very <laughs> common thing that occurs, like the way that we eject something out of that part of our body. Yeah. That, so, that, yeah. And I think just with the squatting in general, even before I was pregnant, <laughs> like with the squatting in general, before I was pregnant, it did it did build up like, so I was probably up to maybe a couple of minutes mm-hmm. of being able to, I had to hold on to something like a kettlebell yeah. while I squatted, but, um, yeah, it definitely took a while to build up and my, it, you could feel that your hips were in a different alignment because when you stood up, it was like mm-hmm. almost weird to, to adjust back. So I don't know. So yeah. I'm going to try something it. That I Oh, good. Good. But I also, I don't know if you've heard of them, but I really like, um, spinning babies techniques. Mm -hmm. They're a really good thing. And they have some of them, you need a partner to assist, but there's often, I think all three or four of like the main movements they tell you, they recommend to do in towards the end of your pregnancy are like lying down. The one is kneeling on it couch and putting your head on the ground so that one you definitely need somebody around you to assist with but but the other ones are very passive and relatively easy to do so those are also good things that uh, positions that I recommend to check out to help prepare your body and your pelvis and everything for birth no matter what type of birth you plan to have yeah I I do love that I, I use that with Connor Again, something I just pulled out like last week that I'm like, (laughs) I should start doing this again. And I barely watched any of it, but I watched some of the like lifestyle parts about like how to position yourself when you're walking and sleeping and sitting, I think is a big one, like trying to sit with giving your belly room rather than like laying back and slouching over. Um, but yeah, it it guilted me into, okay, I'm going to stop sleeping on my back. (laughs) So, um, so is there, I think we covered this already, but specific exercises that should be done during pregnancy for the pelvic floor, or is it the same kind of things we just said? My biggest recommendation would be to see a pelvic floor physical therapist and to make sure that you are know how to work your pelvic floor correctly because a lot of people say they know how to do kegels and like oh yeah I know how to do that it's fine but they don't actually aren't doing them correctly uh and then I would recommend along like with seeing the pelvic floor physical therapist if they would recommend any specific exercise themselves I personally think it's really good to just kind of work the whole core system all at least once a day to get everything working correctly and working good together and just to make 
give your body that like muscle memory so it can work the way it needs to all throughout the day and while you exercise and then you don't have to think about it. So I have done, taken a lot of information from a lot of different, really wonderful clinicians. Um, and one person in particular that I've learned a lot from is Julie Weeb, and she talks about the pelvic floor piston, which is the movement of the diaphragm and the pelvic floor with your breath and using that and doing like an exercise of it's super simple. It's called an exercise, but it's very passive. Um, you can do it sitting down, lying down, whatever feels most comfortable, wherever it's easiest for you to breathe, but breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth, like you're breathing through a straw and you can work your pelvic floor while you're doing this. There's like nuances to it where you inhale, you're inhaling through your nose and you're thinking about inhaling and you want to think about a full like 360 degree umbrella breath. So you're taking an inhale and your ribs, because you want your breath to be all throughout your core. So it's not just up in your chest. You want to think about it all throughout the chest, the belly. It's not just up in your chest. It's not just in your belly. You're not pushing your belly out. It's that, like I said, the umbrella breath all the way around your ribs, 360 degrees in through your nose, thinking about that expanding and opening and then breathing somewhat gently, maybe a smidge of force, breathing out through your mouth like you are blowing through a straw. And if you just do that without thinking about anything else, that in a person who doesn't, especially doesn't have any type of uh pre-existing conditions or any pelvic floor dysfunction that is working the pelvic floor, the abdominals, the diaphragm, the back muscles all together without you having to do anything else specific with it. You can add in on the exhale, a little like extra lift with your pelvic floor muscles just to give them a little bit of work. But again, I wouldn't suggest that to everyone because you have those people that are walking around with their muscles tight, like the bicep up in your ear then I'm not going to tell them to contract their pelvic floor more. They really just need to work on letting that system move together. And so just working on that breathing, like for a minute or two minutes, like in the morning at night to kind of putting those pieces back together is something that I think everyone should do. Uh, initially, it's good to do it once a day. If you're just figuring out how this, like getting that system to work together, but then a couple of times a week, once a week, once you know that things are working correctly, Okay. Uh, as a good primer and just to like rework things. Like when you, I know, I think with physical therapy, people get annoyed, like, oh, like you get discharged. Like I have to do these exercises for the rest of my life. And like, well, yeah, kind of. Like if you think about it, we recommend you do exercise three times a week, 30 minutes a day in general for your health. So is it really so crazy to think about doing, I mean, it's probably annoying to think like you, think about like knee exercises. Like I don't want to do knee raises three times a day, three, three times a week. Like those are boring, but we can do this breathing and working our pelvic floor muscles with all our exercises all throughout our day. So if you work on this once and just make sure things are working, get it all good, then you don't have to work about it. Think about it. And it's working all the time. I, I like that because, um, and you said your whole pregnancy, that's a good thing to do, but yeah, you were saying to exercise every day, your core. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I like the sign of that, but then <laughs> the breathing exercise doesn't sound that scary. We do that. Uh, we do some version yeah. of that no. in prenatal yoga. 
Um, so now that makes sense why they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely think rest days are wonderful. Like there's abs- almost no reason besides if you're like a high level athlete to be working out every single day, some form of movement every single day. Yes, definitely. But a dedicated workout every single day. No, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, rest I days are for really, that. really, really great. <laughs> um, So is there anything that should be considered in postpartum fitness to help recovery? Yes. If you, whether you've had one prenatally or not, I think a public floor PT evaluation should be considered because whether you had any issues during pregnancy or with birth, your body went through a bunch a ton. And we shouldn't discount that it was a lot. Even if you feel really good and have a great support system postpartum, it's really good to just check it out and see where all the bits and pieces are and make sure that you they do remember how to work together. Because if you take really good steps and have a really good support system and you're not doing a lot postpartum, you're getting to, to really bond with the baby and you're feeling good and overall things feel great. And then at six weeks, you get the okay from the OB or the midwife, like, okay, like you're healed, go back to doing what you want to do. And then at that point you try and go for a run and all of a sudden you leak a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, what happened? I felt great. Like, why is this doing this? And it's like, well, yeah, you felt great. I'm glad you had that great support system and had a really good time to rest with the baby. But there still might be some things that like, there's not, ne- it might not necessarily be a true dysfunction that they're, but they might just need a little help remembering what to do. Or they might not, but knowing ahead of time is like really, really good in my opinion. Okay. And is there, I think just being gentle in general, like getting back into things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big like listen to your body is a big kind of caveat that a lot of people throw out there, but it's, it's one that needs to be thrown around with caution because especially any woman who was big into competition, athletics type of thing, listening to their body might not actually be telling them they, they might not be hearing what it's really telling them and which is in those type of worlds like oh it's fine this little thing isn't a big deal just keep pushing we're good just keep going this is this is all good and it might not be so there just needs to be education within them between potentially like a fitness professional or public therapist and their provider of understanding like what all is going on in their body. And so they can listen to those little signals and understand what they are and not just push through them. And so, like I said, the six week checkup, like thankfully the ACOG American, Oh, I'm not going to know the acronym correctly, but the people who decide the guidelines for pregnancy and Uh, postpartum, they are starting to recognize better 
the postpartum period for moms and not just the baby and have changed their recommendations to say that they should go in before just a six-week checkup. There should be more consistent care for the mom postpartum, which as public PTs have been like yelling from the rooftops for for years that the six-week checkup and you're okay is not near enough. And even just one at two weeks is hardly near enough. We need a more consistent care for the mom postpartum to know, to make sure they're doing okay. And like a big thing of checking with for postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, but also the physical side of it. Um, so, so having that baseline from before, but if you didn't get one perfectly fine, it's not a huge deal. I would, I personally would love for you to have one beforehand, but if you didn't no, like it's fine. If you go afterwards, I think that's perfectly fine. And you can find a great provider that can help you and give you a more accurate all okay, if that's true. Because uh, the six week is really, for the most part, traditionally, is just looking at if your tissues have healed. If you no longer have this big gaping wound that is causing uh hindrance to your daily life. They're not looking at muscle function and how, where things are sitting, how you're able to use them, how it's affecting your day-to-day movements, your sex life. If you tried anything ahead of time, which you shouldn't, in my opinion, you had a big gaping wound. (laughs) You should probably just hold off. But, um, but yeah, they're not there. They haven't been as good or very good at looking at those other really big parts of a woman's life getting back to postpartum and the feeling of like, Oh, it's six weeks. I'm all clear. Everything should go back to normal, but you are not even two months postpartum and you grew a baby for 10 months, nine months. So yeah, I don't, I talked in circles there and I have a lot of feelings on it. So I, yeah. I think I answered your question for the no, most part. No, and I really <laughs> love, I love what you said about the kind of listening to your body, but not necessarily the society side of it, where mm-hmm. I think there is this thing out there now where you wear it like a badge of honor to be getting back to the gym earlier than you should Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, hashtag no excuses. I'm going to get my body back like this almost rush to that, which is not something I felt at all, (laughs) but (laughs) I do see it. And you see it on things like Instagram and, um, people bragging about that four weeks postpartum of like, I don't know. Yeah. Rushing back into that. But yeah, there's no trophies. There's no trophies. And some people might be fine going back to workouts at four weeks, but there's some people who really, really aren't. And that's okay. There's the huge spectrum and we need to honor that. And Instagram is wonderful and hard at the same time because often you do just see the extremes of, yeah, get back to it, get your body back, which is an awful term. Like you just had a baby. You grew and birthed the baby. No matter how the baby came out, you birth the baby. And to think that like, what do you, what are you going back to? You are a completely new person. Like I, I don't know the correct, the correct quote that I've seen, but like as along the lines of like you birthed a baby and you also, you also birthed yourself a mother. Like you are a different person entirely 
you can definitely, there's, you're not, you, there's still the old you, but you don't, you are always moving forward. And to think about like, oh, I got to go back to what I was is kind of a misnomer. So to me, I, yeah. again, I like to give all the disclaimers in my opinion, this is, <laughs> it comes from the heart, but I mean, this is, it's something I'm very passionate about though. Also of, uh, we are constantly growing and evolving and motherhood is a huge one. And there's no shame in wanting to feel more like yourself and to maybe get back to a size that you feel more comfortable in postpartum. But we also need to be careful and gentle. I don't know if gentle is the right word, but just loving and kind and I guess gentle and towards the women who are on this journey and understanding that feeling, but then knowing that there is no, there's no badge of honor for rushing to get there. And there's many ways it can come and we're here to help you through it. And if somebody isn't, and they're pushing you and saying, you got to do this, you've got to like, you got to drop that 10 pounds, girl. You, why, what are you doing three months out? Like you've got to get it back. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. So, yeah. I will definitely agree with you there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got pregnant again. I did not fit into my postpartum or my pre-baby clothes yet. I mostly mostly got back to my weight, but that may never happen. (laughs) Yeah, if there wasn't like the economic side to it of like not wanting to throw out all your clothes, like it would be really wonderful if like every woman who got pregnant could just throw away their old clothes because you don't need that goal or thing hanging over your head of like, oh, I need to fit back in these clothes. I just need to get to this. Like it's one thing, maybe you will eventually get down to the weight you were prior to baby and you might fit into some of those clothes, but your body changed a whole heck of a lot. And it's probably really just not necessary to like worry about fitting into everything that you had before. It's just, it's just not realistic from a like biologic standpoint of like, yeah, it's just not. But I know there's like, you have your favorites and you want to get back to them and you want to be able to wear these, but you can find new favorites. And really, and there's a really great, I think there's a couple of people I've seen post about it with their postpartum journeys. And um, Cassie Joy, Cassie Joy Garcia was one of them that I loved particularly who posts like in the postpartum period of like, oh, like still in the maternity clothes because they fit best. But then like the maternity clothes start to not fit as good. Some of them anyways, but you can't fit into the most of the clothes in your closet. It's like, go out and buy the dang jeans, buy them, buy a new pair and that in-between size and the number you don't like, don't look at it. Don't worry about it. Feel good. And you will feel so much better. I think so. Like it is, it is difficult though. Like, like you said, the financial aspect of it, but now my closet has sizes from four to 14 (laughs) and I'm like, well, now I can't get rid of any of it because I'm having another baby and I don't know what my body's going to do with this one. But, um, yeah, that's, it is what it is. (laughs) So, right, right, right. Um, all right. So I think 
I got an idea of what you're going to say about this, but when would you recommend seeing (laughs) a physical therapist? Anytime. So specifically, if you are having any signs of pelvic floor dysfunction, which is like a whole encompassing term, is a great time to, if you are, depending on your health insurance benefits or not, talk to your doctor about seeing somebody or seek one out yourself. And so pelvic floor dysfunction can encompass things we've talked about, like incontinence, when you leak urine, like pee or poop, any either of those two. Um, if you have any signs or like re- lingering diastasis post-pregnancy and like you said, that separation of the abdominal muscles is normally the indicator. Like they look at it like, oh, like my stomach just doesn't look the same. Like I get this bulge still postpartum. Um, maybe the skin looks a little different. Those are like bigger signs. Um, and those are just things that you can get checked out. It may not be like writing on the wall, like you're going to have this gap for forever. And gap isn't everything you look at. We've learned a lot that the fascia, which is what connects those two muscles, is a really big, is a is a bigger indicator of what those muscles and what our kind of core system is doing. So a pelvic floor therapist, a women's health therapist, can look at that and just can help you because there's a lot of fear I think right now especially on the interwebs Instagram all those things of like oh my gosh I don't want to do this I don't want to make like you said I don't want to make my diastasis worse I don't want to hurt myself I don't want to do this and a lot of the fear I think is unfounded I mean yes you can do things and overdo it but is that what caused you to have a diastasis postpartum maybe but maybe not so just seeing somebody to get a better understanding of that. So diastasis prolapse, which is when the things that are up in the pelvic cavity start to come down and come out. So like your uterus, the bladder, the rectum, those things. Um, when those are no longer being held in the place that they should be, the only, they come down and the only place to go into is like the biggest hole, which is the vaginal opening, the vaginal canal and opening. So that's kind of a, a quick brief overview of prolapse. So that would be if you have any symptoms of that, um, which can be like feeling something down there, it's uncomfortable, pain, bulging type of thing, pressure down there. <clears throat> and then um, like SI pain, low back pain, a lot of a common thing during pregnancy that normally resolves postpartum, but doesn't always would be pubic symphysis pain, which is that the bone that connects the pelvic bones right in the front, in the middle. So that can give a lot of women in grief while they're pregnant. And like I said, normally resolves postpartum, but doesn't always. So some bits, a reason to call somebody and have somebody check things out and see what we can do to address it. And what was SI? So SI is your sacroiliac joint, and that's the uh, the joint in the back of the pelvis. So the, your low back, kind of going down into your bum area, it's a really common place that people, especially if they have like any type of back pain, it oftentimes goes down towards your SI joints. Um, 
I mean, like you said, like your pelvic bones, things are relaxing, things are kind of pulling apart and pulling things. It's just a place that we get a lot of tension and can get discomfort and PT and things can help. So, and then a couple of other things commonly for coming, like, especially postpartum would be for return to exercise and making sure that you feel okay and things are working right. Uh, but then also I talked a little bit about earlier is intercourse sex. If getting back to that, if you try it once and it's really super painful or you're apprehensive about it, there's things that we can do to help that can make it better. There's things that happen to the body post-pregnancy that are kind of natural birth control and is partially why it can be uncomfortable postpartum, but there are things we can do to help. And it's not just have a glass of wine and relax like is uh, very unfortunately been some advice from in the olden days and sometimes still now. Um, and then also if you've had any tearing during delivery, um, we can help with that. If there's any pain with the muscles from the tearing and the way they healed and then C-section mamas helping with scar healing and making sure that that is all doing because they had to cut through all your layers of muscles to get to your uterus to get the baby out. And we want to make sure that everything can move on itself correctly and that the muscles know how to work again and kind of wake up a little bit from that trauma they went through. And depending on how the birth happened, whether the C-section was wanted or not, there can be a lot of emotions held in that area. And it can be really hard for some women to even look at or touch at all that area. Um, and so it's not an area we want to ignore. And so we can help with that. So those are some other main ones. So can you just go in and get an assessment without doing a package of physical therapy? Yes, definitely. Um, it might depend on what they find at the assessment, but you can definitely go in and see somebody and like get a assessment, make sure everything's working good. And if there's no other underlying issues, no pre-existing conditions that you were asking about anyways, and get like, just get like a good check and like be sent on your merry way and be like, okay, call me if any problems arise, like you're good to go type of thing. Uh, that can definitely happen and does a lot of times. And it's becoming more common. I would say it was definitely not as common in the past, but we are evolving. A lot of practitioners are evolving and there's really, really great options nowadays in a lot of places to get more personalized care and really they're not going to just try and get you to come in as many times as they can to see you as many times, which not to paint or how some people run their businesses in like a really bad light. It's really been like insurance driven and it's they, I believe most PTs have really are, have a really good heart at the bottom of it. It's just, our profession has really been driven by an insurance based system that in the end has not been as beneficial to the patient as I think it should be. Um, and so, yeah, so doing, going in to see somebody once and then you might not need any more, but then maybe you do need more, but like, it's not going to be three times a week more. And is this something you have to do 
in person because I do think there's online physical therapists now, but I'm I'm wondering if an assessment is something where they need to actually see so, the muscles. Right. So there is more and more telehealth happening, which is when you would just be over a video. And I don't know, I'm starting to get into that world. So I don't have a ton of answers, but I do know if they are a good telehealth therapist, they will know during the evaluation with talking with you, whether or not that it's going to work or whether they are going to recommend you go see somebody in person. Okay. That's, that's really good to know. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely a really big value in doing a virtual consult with somebody, especially if it's a specific specialty that you really want to see and to be able to talk through them, talk through your issues with them or anything you're going through with them to decide what good, what like next steps would be. Okay. Well, can you tell us about your business? Yeah. So... I um, just recently started a, it's kind of concierge physical therapy practice um, in my local town. And so what that is, is I go to the woman's home and treat them. And so I focus on pregnancy and postpartum specifically, but I see all women. I am a cash-based program also. So I do not contract with any insurance providers. And so they, the patients can still submit to their insurance for reimbursement, but I do not directly involve myself with the insurance companies. So I, it's a really nice model that I'm able to give more personal one-on-one care and especially working with the pregnant and postpartum mom coming to them. So they don't have to go out of their home, whether they have other little ones that they would have to drag with them or in the early postpartum days, like getting out of the house is so hard. Like I, I know those days I have two little guys myself and it's, it's a whole day fiasco to go to like one pediatric appointment in those early days. And so to not have to leave your house and have somebody come to you I feel is very valuable and something that I wish I could have had. And actually I did do that type of therapy personally pregnant with my second. Um, I didn't have a pelvic therapist who I, who did that type of service. Um, I just had a general orthopedic that I saw while I was pregnant, but that really helped me to understand and see the value in that type of service. And just all of that I have gone through with my own two pregnancies and pelvic floor dysfunctions even prior to pregnancies and then postpartum and being in this profession. It is just a really, really big passion of mine to be able to get out and connect with women and to help them where they're at and to get them the resources they need, whether it's me or someone else in that time in their life. So, so yeah, that's my, that's my, uh, program or my business and hopes and wishes in a nutshell. Yeah. I I just love that so much because like you said, it is really difficult just doing things like making an appointment, getting in your car, going to the appointment in those early weeks 
that if you get somebody that can make you feel comfortable, let you stay in your home, like it just takes this barrier away from taking care of yourself. So uh, I think that's amazing. I wish I lived near you (laughs) and could do this because yeah. And some of the stuff with the insurance just, um, you know, you don't want to get in that place where they're dictating the care you can provide. So I I love that too, that, that you can do it your way. Yeah. And I know, I know as a provider that does make me a barrier to some. Um, and it's just, it's the risk I'm willing to take to give the care that I want to care and that I think is needed for the people I want to treat. Um, and so I know there will be always be some people that I, I will not be able to see. And that is a little hard because there are still people that maybe might not, might not be able to afford my rates as a cash-based person um, that do truly need and want the help. But the good thing is, is there are insurance providers. And so there's both of us. And so in the town I'm in, it's not huge, but there is at least one, if not two other public health providers. And and I love that. I like more is more in my opinion. Like I, like I said, I'm not going to be for everyone. And I would love to have an insurance base and even another cash-based provider to recommend people to, because you said somebody you drive with, I might not drive with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like it's just human nature. You got to find a person you like and you drive with and you feel comfortable with, with such a personal and private area like it's it is like you in this if you're spending any amount of time with any someone like you're probably going to be talking about some pretty personal things in the pelvic health world and so you need to be comfortable and so I am truly I want to have a big network of people to that I can give names of so that I can we can help as many people as possible yeah. And, and this is kind of a tangent, but I do work in the insurance industry. Um, <laughs> it's not health insurance, but I, I go to conferences and things. And I do think there's going to be more of a shift to this. And like, there's more and more high deductible plans and people are paying out of pocket anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I'm paying out of pocket for my home birth because my plan doesn't cover that. And it's just uh, but you can use your HSA accounts for these things, even right. though you can't use insurance. So it still kind of gives you a discount and lets you save up for it. So that's yes. just something I think, I think more and more things all go that way and care mm-hmm. right of that way. So I think it's just awesome that you're, you're there and ready for that. So, Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to share? If you are experiencing any type of symptoms that there is help for you and you don't have to live with it and that you are awesome and amazing for everything that you've gone through with pregnancies and births and postpartum and that that you got it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. And I am going to figure out where to go for an assessment and keep you posted because yeah, yeah, it's, it's just been awesome talking to you and this really makes it all a lot more approachable. So I really appreciate it. I, I'm glad that is definitely a goal. It was just, I wanted to be people to know that it's, it's not weird to go to it and it's, 
it's not something to be ashamed of. And it's like, it should be, it should be normal. Like, it's just like you go to your doctor for your yearly checkup. I'm going to go see my PT for my yearly checkup. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks you too. Bye. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.